for launch in three, two, one. Go. This is a dangerous beat that we're dealing with now. Introducing the Dog Pound Daily Podcast with your hosts, Andrew Seipt. I must be louder. And site expert Stephen Kabitza. If it's a blowout, Monday's podcast is going to be a bummer. But if they win, it's going to be a party. This DJ so funky, man. Okay, let's go. The Cleveland Browns entered week four in a must-win situation. They responded with a 31-7 loss. It was two 0-3 teams. The Bengals leave with a win. The Browns are 0-4. I'm Steven Kibitza, joined by Andrew Seipt. Andrew, with this game, I mean, for us breaking this down, there's really no need to go over the box score or anything, is there? No, I think it's one that you just got to throw away and you look back and say, we can't play much worse than that. You know, I think this is definitely rock bottom or hopefully rock bottom for this football team. I just don't know where to really go from here, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, it's definitely a burn the game tape type of game. Just really quick, we're not going to go into the stats too much, but just quickly, the running game, nothing as usual. 33 combined yards and 11 carries between Crowell and Duke Johnson. Passing-wise, Kaiser 16-34 for 118 yards. Had an interception, but it bounced right off Kenny Britt's chest. Did they have another turnover in enemy territory, too, like when they were threatening? Oh, no, they just couldn't ca- – they missed the field goal. That's what it was. That just – again, we saw early on today the false start with Kenny Britt. You know, the Browns finally got into a, a third and short situation to start the game and ended up shooting themselves in the foot with a penalty and then later on a missed field goal, just taking away, you know, big opportunities for this offense to make strides and they just can't get out of their own way. Really, the beginning of the game really set the tone. I mean, the Browns got the ball first. They were – Already punted. The, I remember because I texted you, I believe it was 13-14 left on the game clock in the first quarter. Then the Bengals get the ball. Nice strip sack. The Browns get the ball. Stall on offense. Zane Gonzalez missed field goal. End of the first quarter. Finished 0-0. But then at halftime, it was 21-0 Bengals. And at that point, I mean, to touch on the running game, I I think we're at a point now with the Browns where it's almost tough for us to say in our Friday edition of the podcast where we preview the games that they need to run the ball because it's like they're not just not they they can't do, they yeah can't, they can't, they can't do it and they're the not ball. doing it you know I I wrote down here one of my offensive takeaways is I don't think it's a choice that they don't want to run the ball I just think that they can't run the ball as an offense and whether that's I think it truly is Isaiah Crowell not being able to see the holes. There's some they had a stat early on about his broken tackles. That's a huge uh, difference between th- this year and last year as to maybe why he's getting a little less yardage per carry, and maybe just why he's not u- taking advantage of his opportunities when given to him, like we saw so often last year. What I noticed a lot, and in this game too, it's he'll he'll hit the hole hard, but then at the first sign of a defender, he just smashes into him. And, yeah, and most of the time, work. that's probably good defense. But other times, it's a good running back is going to spin or do anything to get out of the way, and he just can't do that. No, it's uh, after Joel gave us some insight as to you know kind of how bad his backfield vision might be. You know, just watching with that newfound piece of information, you can almost see certain points in the game today where you know second and seven, second and eight, where the Browns actually do run the ball for a change, and there seems to be quite a hole, and they just can't seem to get more than two or three yards out of it. 
and that's not how you're going to, as we saw today, that's not how the offense is going to be able to function. And to your point of not being able to run the ball, when Hugh Jackson calls those run plays and he watches his number one running back plow into a linebacker one-on-one, it's like, well, we have to throw it. But then kind of moving into another part of the offense, which has been a very common theme, is the lack of any any threat at the receiver position. Kenny Britt makes a nice play, and then the next throw to him bounces off his chest interception. They don't, they don't, not, they don't just have a deficiency of talent at wide receiver. They've got a deficient of talent, deficiency of talent across the entire offense. You know, I think it's a, not a good thing that Deshaun Kaiser looks like the only competent piece or anyone like he's the only person who knows like what they're doing out there. I don't know what happens during the week of practice, but they come out of these games to start and they look like they've never seen each other before in their lives. I don't know. The first two drives today were two plays or seven plays for a total of two yards. I mean, Hugh Jackson came out this week and talked about needing to get off to a fast start. And I couldn't that couldn't be farther from what actually happened on the field today. And a main problem with the receivers, just getting back to that. But to your point of Kaiser, I do. it's a good thing and a bad thing that he's the only one who looks like he knows what he's doing. The good thing is it shows that he seems ready and prepared. But the rest of the team just isn't up to that level. And with the receivers or the pass catchers, because my point, Duke Johnson was the most targeted receiver and had the most receptions, nine receptions on 10 targets. A lot of those were just dumped on passes, but it, those dumped on passes come as a result of the other guys not getting open. Well, that's the only way they can move the ball. So I, if that's, I think that's more of what they should do anyway because I'm sick of Deshaun Kaiser dropping back, trying to get you know, 25 yards on every play. If you've got a guy like Duke Johnson, get him in space and let him get some yards after the catch. That's how this offense is going to be successful. Obviously, we don't have wide receivers good enough to go up one-on-one, so stop trying it so often. Finally, we saw Kevin Hogan complete a ball down the sidelines today, and that looked better than anything Deshaun Kaiser was able to complete to his wide receivers. Kenny Britt, another lackluster day. You know, once he had that drop pass from his chest into the defender's hands, I think that really kind of killed any momentum the Browns had of coming back in that game. But that was kind of the the final nail in the coffin, even though that was what? Was that in the third quarter or the for end of the second half? The one-off Brit? Yeah. That was in the first half of the game. Yeah, and right there, I mean, there was just no hope of a comeback after that. He just had a 26-yard gain, and then he pulls around and <laughs> does what he's been doing so far in the season, and it's just so frustrating to watch. It's frustrating because of the fact that those plays lose games and derail any offense but it's even more frustrating because he was off, out of the offensive line the biggest signing of the offseason and he's been worse than say even ricardo lewis or uh, don't get me started on him either he can't catch a ball to save his life that's what i mean but i'm saying he's playing like worse than him I Ricardo think Kenny, Lewis was a leading receiver today. The problem is, and my dad uh, texted me and said that the Browns need to cut Kenny Britt to make a statement, and I totally agree with him, but they actually can't because Kenny Britt is the fifth worst receiver in the NFL, like qualifying receiver, and the four guys behind him all also play on the Cleveland Browns. So he's the best out of the worst bunch, and it's just so bad that I, I don't know any course of action that the Browns could do at this point to, to make anything out of that receiving core right now. There, we texted about this earlier, too. There's 
unlike other sports or even baseball where you can try and bring some pieces in, football team, there's no one good available right now. That's no. the first problem. And secondly, if you bring someone in, it's not like they're going to come in and dominate right away because they're probably not that good and you have to teach them a whole new offense. Well, I see a lot of, uh, well, Tom Brady throws to all these nobodies. Like, how can they make it work? Well, I'm not saying that Deshaun Kaiser's Tom Brady, but I'm also not saying that any of the wide receivers that the Browns have would even sniff playing time on the Patriots roster. So it's not like it's not that the Browns have good receivers and the quarterbacks not making plays. These guys are just flat out bad. You know, I, I don't see guys in New England doing that. They they draft guys specifically on purpose that do have good hands and run good routes. Something that obviously every receiver on the Browns roster is a fo- that it's a foreign concept to them. So. I don't know if that goes back to the scouting department or Sashi Brown, but they've got to do something about either the way they scout or slash evaluate wide receiving talent around the league. And to that point, those guys aren't nobodies on those teams. It's just they aren't high prospects, but that's why the Patriots get them because they scout them well and they fit them into their offense. And the biggest thing is they don't drop passes. I think with their wide receiving core, you shouldn't even, that shouldn't be a thing that's even ever a problem i w- yeah i would think that's the basic requirement for professional pass a, catcher exactly that's your job so and if if the browns were to cut any of these guys i don't think any of them would like richard higgins perfect example he's not going to get claimed by anybody kenny Britt, he's not not on that contract like what if the browns even cleaned house on their wide receiving court and got guys off the street would you think they might be better off than what they currently have i think it'd be the same I that's the problem too it's well these guys are so bad but it's almost like they should have known this the front office should have known this in March and I can't believe they didn't know it I don't know if it was like and and not having Corey Coleman really really is a kick in the gut you know Mm -hmm. I I don't know if we're saying this with Corey, Corey Coleman if he's healthy but even if he's here I mean what did they really do on offense and it's been a severe regression in terms of not only offensive output, but defensive output since the Pittsburgh game. You know, that was actually a close game where they looked like an NFL franchise or a competent NFL team that might be able to stay in some games this year. And they've slowly turned into a worse version of the team that they were last year. And I think that is a a major cause for concern at this point, even though we're only four games into the into the season. They definitely overpromised and have underdelivered after the week one game, which kind of now you just chalk up to the Steelers having a bad game. Well, I, and a lot of people like want to come down on Jimmy Haslam for his his uh, prom or not promise, but vote of confidence to the to the front office. But put yourself in Jimmy Haslam's shoes for a second. Like no matter what you do, you can't find anybody to turn it around. You know, I, I can't understand, I can't begin to imagine how frustrating that is to actually be the owner of the Browns because he's not the one that's picking these players. Yes, he's in charge of finding someone to do it, but look at the Rams. I mean, the Rams had Jeff Fisher go seven and nine for four years. They get a new coach, and all of a sudden they're beating the Cowboys. You know, it's it doesn't it shouldn't take this long for an NFL turnaround, and it's just astounding to me that the Browns can't seem to find anybody worth it worth a nickel in evaluating college prospects. Really quick, you should take your credit. You did predict the Rams would beat the Cowboys as your upset pick. I did, and I also lost my lock pick, which was Atlanta losing to Buffalo. But Julio Jones and Mohamed Sanu going down in that game. 
So that that killed my fantasy team a little bit. I want to talk about Sasha Brown in the front office um, for a bit. A lot of there's two camps of Browns fans, and these people. It's never going to go away unless they win a lot of games. But the one camp is after today. I'm done with them. I want a new group in charge. The other group is the trust the process group of, you know, this was never going to be a one or two year thing. It's a three, four, five year thing. My view on it and get yours in a second. But my view is I agree that it's not a one or two year thing. And I don't think they should be gone. Him and his group should be gone after this year. But at what point do you start as Jimmy Haslam saying, you know, I want this to be a five-year plan, but if the first two or three years are the team's the, one of the worst in the history of the league, is there really any confidence it will turn around? Yeah, I think I think he's at that point right now. You know, he, yes, he gave the vote of confidence to his personnel staff, but you could see him sitting up in that owner box. He's not happy about that. I, there, like I said, there's teams that can turn it around quickly, and I understand at some point you you do need to trust the process, but if you're if it doesn't matter how many draft picks you have, if the guys in charge of making those picks aren't good at making them, it does you no good. So I'm in the camp that Hugh Jackson's being dealt a raw deal right now. It's not really fair to him. I, I get the record is what it is, but I, I look at the talent out on that field and I can't I can't make a ju- similar to Deshaun Kaiser, I can't make a judgment whether he's good or bad because there's just nothing out there to work with. So I, I'm in the camp that Sashi Brown needs to you know, I, I don't know if it's go after some sort of trade like he made with Jamie Collins last year, but there needs to be an infusion of talent on this roster, or I think his job is at stake more so than Hugh Jackson's. Yeah, Hugh Jackson is in a horrible situation, and you always see him on the sidelines shaking his head, and some people might be like, oh, Hugh, this is your fault, blah, 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 but I mean, he kind of said it all when they said, is this team set up to win? And he said, you have to, you have to ask Sashi that question, because it's Imagine being the coach a week before the season, your defensive captain, veteran leader of the team, traded. Yeah. And then they bring in a 21-year-old kid at quarterback, and you have to decide between him and Brock Osweiler. You're like, I'm not starting Brock Osweiler. And then they they get rid of him anyway. I would even look back at, so I think the Jets won today, did they not, with Josh McCown? They did. They won in overtime. Regardless, I think they did wins. But my point is, do you even think that that, did. that might have been a move by driven more by the front office to get rid of a guy like Josh McCowan? Because all all season long, we heard that Kaiser wasn't ready. Kaiser wasn't ready. You know, he definitely, out of all these guys, needs to be the one to sit. I don't know if it was the front office that thought Cody Kessler might be the guy that they could make Josh McCowan expendable. But, I mean, looking now... I would think having Josh McCown on this team gives them a much better chance to win because not that Deshaun Kaiser's playing that bad, but it's not worth him taking all these hits when he's got literally nobody to throw to. Yeah, I'm not sure about the McCown situation. I'm not sure if they said you're not going to start here and he wanted to start. or. But to your point, he probably could have started here, even if they said he wasn't going to. Yeah, I, it's frustrating to watch. It really is because all we also thought that the Jets were going to be the 0-16 team this year, and they've got two, two more and wins two. than the Browns, the Bills. I mean, all these teams that were noted as the tanking teams early on in articles that I disagreed with, you know, I didn't think the Browns were tanking, and I still don't, but 
maybe They're that, just bad. maybe I was looking at it from the wrong perspective. I don't think the players and coaches are. I think maybe the front office look is looking too far into the future instead of realizing the deficiencies on the roster might cost them jo- cost them their job now instead of seeing the fruits of their labor with their draft picks later on. It's difficult for Hugh Jackson because being a coach before let go after one year in Oakland, he understands, and he had a decent year, he understands how very non-guaranteed a head coaching job in the NFL is. Well, the owner died halfway through too, didn't he? So he was handling like all of the GM stuff. And then I think after they lost, I think six in a row or whatever, they just, they canned him and cleaned house. But sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, yeah, no worries. But what I'm saying is that he understands that Jimmy Haslam could one day just say, you know what, got like could come in and say, you guys are all gone. So Hugh Jackson might be like, guys, if you keep putting this bad team out here, we're all going to be fired. I don't and think th- any of them are that oblivious. I think you're spot on there. I, it's some, no, I don't how think do they're not- oblivious, but I think they're like, well, we have a uh, whatever your plan, but Jimmy Haslam one day might be like, hey, if we go 0-16, I can't keep you guys. Yeah, like how do you know? You know, you, you can never, especially with a guy like Jimmy Haslam, I, I don't, I think there's no way that the, the, front office or coaching staff especially you know given recent history that they're looking at their jobs like yeah we're safe for at least the next year i think hugh jackson maybe but sashi brown man uh, he's got to be sweating in his britches a little bit the problem i see with their mindset or what i perceive their mindset to be you think they may be nervous like you just said i think they're not i think they're a little nervous but i still think they're like trust me you know like we have the confidence of Jimmy Haslam, but when you look at Jimmy Haslam, he's running a business that's value is plummeting. Potentially, if they have another year like last year, one in fifteen, value drops. People, the stadium's going to be completely empty at the end of the season. How how would he possibly be able to think that Jimmy Haslam has confidence in him? Sashi Brown has put together a roster that's compiled one win over two seasons so far. So. I don't know what kind of ego that Sashi Brown has, if that's what you want to call it. But if he, I, and he, there's no way he could possibly be doing this. But if he's sitting up there thinking that, oh, it's gonna, it's all gonna be okay, it's all gonna be okay. Yeah, it might be, but you, you might not be the one that's around to see it. So, man, it's they always say it gets worse before it gets better. But man, it's been, it's been bad for a long time, and I'm hoping that this is rock bottom, and we can only make it better from here on out. I really don't see them having a worse game next week than they did this week, but that's something we say all the time. I said that. Yeah, we said that last week. Uh, yeah, last week was miserable. I'm at the same point where I was last year. You know, I remember, didn't we have this conversation like four or five, actually four or five weeks ago? Because weren't you like, what if the Browns came out and went oh and four, like jokingly? And now and we just laughed we it off. Yeah, and we laughed it off. Now here we sit. Four weeks into the season, they're 0-4 and don't even look like they're going to sniff a victory in the next, especially if they lose to the Jets, which, let's be honest, they're probably going to. When, Where do you see a win on their schedule? And the offense can't put up points on anybody. So I I, I think this might they're a serious candidate at this very second for 0-16 if they don't turn the offense around. And the NFL's tricky because it's – it's very difficult to go 0-16. As we saw last year, there's so much random luck, such as the Chargers missing field goals on Christmas Eve. But even this year, they don't want to go 1-15 or 2-14 and either. 
And when you look at the schedule and the way they've been playing, and all we have to go off of is how they played this week and last week pretty much, which was miserable. So we can't say, well, it is going to turn around or it is going to be this bad. But really, if we say, well, this is how they look now the past two weeks, we're not too confident. And when you look at the schedule, I would challenge anyone to try to pick two or three wins off of it. Because even the Jets with McCown, they... I mean, they beat a Jags team that steamrolled the Ravens. Didn't we pick five? I I mean, we picked five wins at the start of the year. I think I picked them to win that Colts game with Andrew Luck. Imagine if Andrew Luck had played that game. I mean, this is just, it's mind-boggling. I did not, I truly did not think this team was going to start off 0-4. And the the most surprising part of it all is that it's not Deshaun Kaiser's fault. You know, I, he's almost like the the third worst thing between offense, defense, and, you know, like our main skill position. You know, he's not top of the priority in terms of what's making this team lose, which is, I guess, good, but it's bad when you speak in terms of the rest of the roster. Like It's good for him in a sense of if he wants to keep, he's probably going to hold down the starting job all season given he stays healthy. But well, it's, it's bad because if they go 1-15 and 15 or 0-16 and, and they have a top, one, two, three pick, they're probably going to go quarterback. But that's where I think it's a little bit different because if if this continues, which I unfortunately think it will for the next eight or nine weeks, Deshaun Kaiser is going to be the quarterback, and I, I still think he's going to play adequately well to the point where give you can't judge him enough based on what he has. So they're going to use some picks next year. I don't know if Sashi's going to be making the picks, but – they're going to be. I, I don't think quarterback's going to be the issue at the end of the season. As bad as they are, I think quarterback is going to be the one area where we finally don't have a question mark moving in. And I think Hugh Jackson's still going to be the coach, if not the person also in control of the 53 man roster. If I had my guess, you know, if Sashi Brown were to be replaced, I think it would be by Hugh Jackson. And it would be nice for one year not to draft any quarterbacks because it's, yeah. hey, Deshaun, you're the starter. We're going to get some weapons around you. If you do bad with these weapons, then you'll be gone. But, and it's right now. You can still take a quarterback. I mean, not in the first round, but I mean, go after another second round guy and let them fight it out. You know, I, I, I would rather them stick their necks out for one guy like they have with Deshaun Kaiser. And I don't think Hugh Jackson's going to back down from him anytime soon. But I think there's just a, a much bigger need for going after a guy like Saquon Barkley. You know, I, I don't care what position he plays or what pick they have, whether he's a running back, wide receiver, cornerback, you know, a, anybody who can score a touchdown or stop one, you know, draft them at whatever pick you can because this team, even with Miles Garrett in the lineup, desperately needs it. And next week, as most reports have said, Miles Garrett should be making his debut. I don't know if that's going to make too much of a difference, but it will at least give us all. Well, we have to watch the game, but it'll give all, yeah. all Browns fans at least a little excitement heading into the game because if he if he was out again, man, after this home loss, I mean, I don't think the stadium's going to be filled to capacity next week, and I wouldn't no. expect it to. Especially, I mean, the Indians are on a or they're going to be they're going to be playing soon. next Sunday. Yeah, uh, if I'm but, paying money, I yeah. mean, my dad told me that he's done buying the tickets after this year, so it's up to me if I want them. Being in Louisville, I don't know if it's the case, but. I, I, I just don't even know if it's a worthy investment at this point. Like, if I buy them, you know, am I even able to sell them for half of what they're worth? Probably not. So, I thank God I'm going on vacation this week because I, I was thinking about it, like, right in the third quarter. I'm like, man, 
this team sucks. But then I was like, ooh, I'm going on vacation, so it's not going to be that bad. I actually will miss Miles Garrett's debut, I think, though. I'll be in the air. So unless I get some Wi-Fi on Southwest, I won't be able to watch. I want to touch on the tickets point really quick. And it's, like I jokingly told you that I'll write a hot take about your dad's not a diehard fan. How long, <laughs> how long has he had those tickets since stadium opened? But it's really not worth your money no. to buy those tickets. And you have really nice tickets in the dog pound. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the, like, if the team's good and it's 30 degrees, it's, you know what, this is an experience, it'll be fun. But when the team's bad, it's almost like I have to go to this game, I paid for the tickets. It's not I, fun. Yeah, I don't know. I, I still like going to the games because it's just like, it's even more optimism than like what we typically experience. So we'll do the podcast on Thursday and talk about it and hype ourselves up for the game or think that they have a chance to win. But like when you're at the stadium and you're you're around all the Browns fans and tailgating and just... You know, <laughs> talking about the completely super optimistic positives that could possibly happen in this game. You know, that that's what gets you into the stadium. It's not and then you watch five minutes of the game and you're immediately disappointed. But I, I th- this can't be the worst that we're going to see of the Browns or this will be the worst of the Browns this year. I think at some point they've got to they've got to hit a wall somewhere and, and figure something out offensively. I, I hope they do. I really do. So what are you, with that mindset of this was rock bottom, what do you think can turn around next week to beat the Jets? Or at least play competitively? I think they just have to stop trying to pass the ball so much. I mean, it's running everything out of the shotgun. Just go back to a ground and pound, you know, short passes. Get Kaiser building in a rhythm. I think that's the only way. I thought they were going to do that today. I really think that's the only way they're going to build confidence for Kaiser and maybe even some of these wide receivers is just getting them a ball maybe with some space in front of them so they're not trying to make a catch in traffic. They're making an easy catch and running. And I know there's no such thing as an easy catch with this wide receiving core, but, I mean, there's got to be a way to make this offense better on the ground because that's the only way they're going to be able to make these three and outs stop happening. I think they only had one drive today with like 10, 10 plays and aside from the Kevin Hogan garbage time. But that was another concerning point for me is they didn't even have, they couldn't move the ball in garbage time. They were three and outs then too. So I, I think Hugh Jackson's a great play caller, but you, you got to be able to coach with the talent around you, not try and force something on people who, who are not able to execute what you're trying, what you're asking them to do. And on that garbage time drive, once they got down to the goal line, the Bengals brought back in their starting defense. It's like, man, Marvin Lewis is truly evil. Just wants to put the beat down on Hugh Jackson. Show him who's boss. As we've said, this game is definitely a just try not to think about it. The Indians start the playoffs this week. Um, Before we wrap up, I just want to see if you have any big storylines from around the NFL that you want to touch on um we're recording this it's five o'clock on sunday so just the afternoon games are done but is there anything really you saw that stuck out to you i did not really i mean the saints beat the dolphins early on and i i truly thought the dolphins were going to be a lot better than uh than what they currently are you know i I think if there's a team that needs to run the ball more than the browns it's the miami dolphins and it, it looks like we're not the only team that's refusing to 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 put a decent ground game on the field but Nothing really catches my eye. I know the Rams beat Dallas, but nothing crazy. What about you? Mine has to be Dalvin Cook going down. Potential ACL injury. No, he's on my fantasy team. Extremely unfortunate. He he just 
kind of collapsed to the ground. So you, hoping for the best from him uh, didn't look good at all. Really, that and that whole, I mean, Minnesota team, Bradford's knee, Cook's knee, it's just, you wonder. Julio's on my team, too, and Julio's out. He was out. He missed the rest of the game. Uh, not a good day for my fantasy team. But yeah, that was my biggest thing. I think the Rams, it's only four weeks. Don't want to jump on the Rams bandwagon, but they I'm might be it. the real deal. I'm on it already. My final one is that the L.A. Chargers in their very tiny stadium tarped off seats in the upper decks, which the Browns never do, and the Chargers have to do it, and they have a third of the attendance. So things could be worse. Although the Chargers play a little bit better brand of football. Yeah, they actually have a shot to win this week, so the Browns do not. I, I don't think I'll pick the Browns to win another game. Like before the game I didn't actually pick happens, this week. I didn't pick him this week. I'm not going to pick him next next week. And they're until they start building a consistent brand on or identity on the offensive side of the ball, which I think is something that's severely lacking. You know, we didn't even get into the defensive side of the ball, which I think we will on Thursday. But you know, offensively, they they desperately need to establish an identity, or this season's going to go nowhere even faster than it already is. I agree, and like I said, enjoy the Indians this week. We'll be back recording. On Thursday for our Friday show when we publish it. The Indians are playing Thursday and Friday, so optimism should be high. The Browns are preparing for a Josh McCown-led Jets team, which should be the most ridiculous game of the season, depending on how he plays. There may even be some people in Josh McCown jerseys in the crowd, which will create an interesting experience. We're going to be back, like I said, later this week. Maybe a little less optimistic than normal, but there will still be some, I don't know, this team. Hey, man, I'll be coming at you live from Colorado, so I'll be, I'll be optimistic as hell. I, or I'll be ready to go. Have you seen these mountains? Oh, yeah, the Browns are 0-4. Who are the Browns? Is... I'll forget who the Browns are when I'm on vacation. <laughs> I don't need that negativity in my life. But that is it for us. The Browns are 0-4. But fear not, there's still 12 games remaining to pick up a win. Thank you for listening, and be sure to subscribe on iTunes. And also, please leave us a review. Positive reviews on iTunes help more people find out about the podcast.